0: Praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Let's bow our hearts and heads in sound preparation for worship. Let us pray. We do praise you God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the great redemption of salvation that we have the Father's selection, the Son's salvation, and the Spirit's God. And we thank you Lord for the opportunity to meet again this evening Lord to finish this your day. And that we could be further equipped by your spirit and the great means of grace you've given us in public worship and hearing of your word, Lord, week we pray. Your name alone. Amen. As we are gathered this evening, God above, as we are gathered by your call and gathered by the love for you and for the saints, we pray, Lord, for your continued love upon us through the blood of Christ Jesus for the Holy Spirit to be with us throughout the week and through this evening especially, Lord, and through the means of grace that you've given us that we may grow thereby. We pray for our work situation, God, thankful for the gainful employment, Lord, that you've given uh, us, God, or uh, the good retirement, Lord, that we had enough funds over the decades of our life, God, that we were able to have a retirement. These are blessings from your hand, God, above. We pray, Lord, for those who have difficult work situations or questions and concerns, God, or something that has come upon them, Lord, or bad coworkers or bad work circumstances, Lord, that you would be with them and help them to change that as they can, Lord, or perhaps even change the job if possible, Lord but in all things to persevere and do the best they can in spite of what other people may do, Lord, around them. ask God also for a continued good wage, and that their wages would go up, Lord, that their bosses and companies would not be stingy with the monies that they have gained, uh, Lord, during this time, that it would be helpful, again, for our families here, Lord, so that they can progress for their family, Lord, and use the monies for the things that they need, for their children children and children's children, Lord, and for the Church of God, and for their friends, Lord, and for expenses especially. We pray for our families, God above, lifting up it before you, especially for those who are not Christians, those who are struggling and disobeying, Lord, or whatever the case may be, Lord, against what they know better, or perhaps some family members know little of the gospel. We ask, God, that you would help us to speak to them, be willing and able, Lord, to speak the truth to them, kindly, certainly, God, but clearly to be sure. And God also, that we would be patient, that we would persevere, we would always pray, Lord, especially in those cases in which we were told not to speak to them anymore about the matters of your word and of the eternality of their souls. Our God and Savior, we pray in particular for continued protection of the families, protection of uh, the couples, Lord, and Lord the singles among us, God, that you'd watch over them, body and soul, that they would use the means and causes and occasions and provocations given to them in this world to maintain purity and holiness before you, God above. We ask a particular Lord to be with the husbands, to lead their wives, to protect their families, Lord, and to instruct them in righteousness in the word of God, and to work hard as unto you. For the wives, Lord, to submit to their husbands, God above, and to resist the world's temptation, which is to try to have two heads of the household instead of one. To belittle the women who are doing godly activities and work, Lord, although it's not uh, publicly praised all the time and outed from the rooftops, Lord, and it it's important work nevertheless and taking care of the family and taking care of the house and the husband's needs and the like, Lord. May you be with them and strengthen them, Lord, and help them with their needs as well, we pray. The Family, Lord, when the children in particular, God, obey their parents Lord, we pray for their mothers and the wives, God, and to be with them. And we ask, God, that you'd watch over the children in particular, Lord, and the babies that are to be born. You're an out of country, God, above. Grow up learning the catechisms, but more importantly, Lord, learning the Bible, the Word of God, and memorizing important parts of it, as we know in the story, many saints of old who read your words upon their hearts, Lord, at their deathbed. And so, God, we ask, again, in this day and age that hates the family, to protect the family, to protect the couples among us, God, that they that we have, Lord, where the children have grown up and left the home and they are on their own again, close to retirement perhaps, Lord, that you would be with them and encourage them to do what they can to be helpful in the church of God, and we would be helpful for them, helpful for the children, helpful for the single God, and whatever case we find ourselves in, Lord, and the strength and abilities that you've given us to pray, uh, to seek out those who need help and assistance, Lord, both materially and spiritually. We ask God for continued growth spiritually, that is, in obedience to your law, uh, more knowledge of who you are, listening of the sermons, Lord, of reading the Bible, God, a little here, a little there, Lord, we're certainly not called to all be theologians, but certainly, Lord, because we love you, wish to know more about you, your word for us and your gospel. Grow in maturity, to grow in perseverance, Lord, to do the hard things of the Christian life that we are called to do, Lord, even when it's displeasing to our flesh, God, to have love and growth of the fruit of the Spirit towards one another, God, patience and long suffering, Lord. And a desire, God, to be helpful and useful for your kingdom's sake, we pray. In your name alone, amen. These tithes and offerings, God above, we offer them before you, Lord, and may they be an expression or a token, a part of the whole of our entire life that we offer up to you. And God above, may you accept it through Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are in First Peter 2.17, from Hebrews near the end of the New Testament. Nice summary, call of submission. Let us listen attentively to the Word of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Let us pray. Read these words and go through it carefully, God above. May your spirit be with us to understand, to be sure, Lord. If we struggle with some of this, Lord, but more importantly, God, uh, to be motivated more. The simple reading of the text, which is honor all, Lord, to reverence, to honor, and submission to whom honor and submission are due, and expressed in various ways in this text. God, help us to that, to that end. We pray Him alone. Amen. Honor. All. What it says here, if you have a typical translation, the word people will be in italics because the word is not there in the text, the actual Greek. And they are supplying it as an idea. Not uncommon, of course. We do that in English. We say shortened sentences with the implied object there, or even the subject at times. Like we say, run. Where is you run? I don't see the you in there, but we know it's implied there in the verb. And the same happens in the Greek and the Hebrew. Honor all, however. What does that mean? Are we to honor the devil? We know already, all doesn't mean all, right? (laughs) That's important to point out. People take text and are confused about it, or, unfortunately, they twist it and play games like this. Obviously, Peter is writing in a shorthand fashion. By all, he means all lawful authorities, as well as those close to us. short list of people right after honor all indicates as much, his intent to honor the king, to fear God, to love the brotherhood. So he gives a general proposition, honor Give honor to all kinds of people. And let me give you some specifics. Thus, we see honor all is applied differently to each person. Kings are to be honored. It's the same word. God is to be feared. That's how you honor God. You are to honor God. It's not like saying, honor everybody, but don't honor God. you got to fear him and not honor him. No, fearing him is an expression of honor, right? The brotherhood of the saints are to be loved. These commands are not mutually exclusive. God is to be feared does not mean that God is not to be loved. (laughs) We read the text elsewhere in the New Testament. We're told to love God. Here, obviously, he's highlighting this for a reason. The reason, I'll explain it later, I thought. Yet Peter thought it important enough to state it this way, probably for motivational reasons. Too many saints thought they could disobey the king or the magistrates who read in the prior verses, don't do that, fear God. God's telling you not to do that. Submit to the powers that are. They fear God, they would obey the king. So, Peter in saying this, I think, is reinforcing his prior point in verses 3 through 6, 13 through 16. Similarly, the call to love the brotherhood is a motivational call that does not exclude honor. It's not, he's not saying you love the brotherhood, but you don't honor them, obviously, as such. So, let us look more carefully at this text, and I'll go through it in ascending order. I'm going to take it out of order here because uh, Peter writes as a man, he has things on his mind, he has certain emphasis, perhaps, uh, and he threw this here as a looks like a summary. Of what was said before and what will be said later because we know what comes later is servants be submissive to your masters wives submit to your husbands etc so the first point honor the king as mentioned before kings governors anyone with political and or social power kings and governors are social power and poli- are social powers as well politics overlaps the social realm obviously uh, police for example are not political in a direct sense we don't vote for the policemen except perhaps sheriffs, but often officers are hired by the police department. But the chief himself may or may not be hired or chosen by the mayor, so it's more indirect. A lot of towns are a little different that way. You can't just read this and say, well, it's the kings, it's those that have direct power over us or something like that, but not the police. Obviously, it's shorthand for all kinds of authority, all kinds of authority. And Of course, in their case, uh, they have Caesar, It's the Latin word or the Roman word for king. Every culture has a different name, interestingly enough, for king, emperor, these are things like that. And it's continuing the theme, obviously, of submission. That he's a king, that he's not elected, that it's not a democracy, it's the opposite of what we have in many ways, does not annul his authority, that you have to submit to him, submit to the powers that be. Theme of submission here, honor the rubric of pilgrims, right? Verse 11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and as pilgrims, because you are strangers to the sins of this world, again that's the idea, and ultimately strangers to the world in the longest sense of the world we're not going to stay in this world, we're going to heaven. Because of that fact, you're supposed to abstain from sin, and one of those sins you should abstain from is disobedience, or rank rebellion against the powers that be. We talked a little bit about that in the morning with Luther and the peasants' revolt. He said, no, a thousand times now, this is not the way to get things done. So, Peter is reinforcing this fact to the Christians, many of whom probably thought, Hey, King Jesus, I have King Jesus, so why do I need Caesar? No. So, this is, to use a phrase you've heard before, two kingdom theology in the traditional sense. They have two domains of authority. Church, Christ is king over the church, he's king over our lives, even under the kingdom of man. Or the king of rome in this case the caesar of rome or in our case the president and everything else involved in that that's true but christ is the lord of our hearts that's why there's always the exception of it can't tell you to sin that doesn't change so that's the traditional understanding that's the traditional uh, background of our understanding of course here in this text here the default position is submission to the powers that be and of course he's highlighting in particular Uh, The civil authorities, as we know, because we'll talk about business or servants next and then family after that. So it's a summary statement of submission, highlighting the the important points for his audience, that they are called to submit to all kinds of people, perhaps you could translate that, uh, to love the brotherhood, to fear God, to honor the king. He puts those specific points here, flushes them out a little bit, as we see, especially with family and business. But I want to point one thing out here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but this call to honor all under one of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Any moral law can be put under one or more of the Ten Commandments, because they are but a summary of God's law. What summary point would it fit under? Try right, it. See, hands going up. You trying to raise your hand? Oh, five, yes. Going once, going twice. Yeah, the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. That's the basis of social authority. And frankly, of all kinds of authority. I say social in the broadest sense. Business is a social endeavor, right? Uh, private businesses are a social endeavor. Selling something to society. Uh, clubs are a social endeavor, although they're closed off. They're still part of society. They can't just make any noise they want in the neighborhood and, and uh, keep you up all night, for example. Everything has these social implications. We are not libertarians that way. It's not every man for himself or every man is an island. And the family is the basis of all these levels of authority. And that's why it's written that way in the Ten Commandments. The family's first. This is where you learn submission to your parents. If you don't have that, you're going to have a hard time submitting to bosses. You're going to have a hard time submitting to teachers. You're going to have a hard time submitting to the magistrate. Except he's got a gun, so you kind of feel compelled to do it. And Unfortunately, we're seeing the effects of families and broken families and how they're having a hard time submitting. The Fifth Commandment and is the basis of submission and therefore the default state in which all Christians are called. Being born again... The coming of the New Testament expression of the covenant of grace, the passing away of the kingdom of Israel, the Old Testament expression of the church, has not annulled the Ten Commandments, hasn't annulled the call of submission. In fact, I would argue has reinforced it all the more. And so another way of saying this is the burden of proof is on those who wish to disobey powers over them. As a general rule. General rule. The other way of saying our default stance is to submit. Default doesn't mean never resisting. There's different ways of resisting. And that's not the point here. That's not the point of the text. I've gone over that in Sunday school class, 12 part series on it, in fact, because it requires that kind of careful attention. Because the idea here is similar to your boss, to your parents, right? Do you really want to teach the average worker? No, your default position is always to question the boss. Are you sure? I'm not. I think I have a better idea, boss. No, you obey him, the default. Default means that's just what you start out with. And then something comes along, you may have to change the status and go, well, no, I can't do that. Sorry, boss, I'm not going to cheat for you. I'm not going to steal for you. I'm not going to lie for you. Or another way of saying it is when in doubt, obey. Because if it's bad enough, they're asking me to lie, steal, lie, steal, and cheat. There's no doubt. There's no like, I'm not, is that, now? you know that's wrong. And there you know, there's your exception. (laughs) Don't obey you know God's law, then you know where you can disobey. Because if they tell you to violate God's law, that's where you disobey. That's why I said all lawful authorities. Honor all lawful authorities. There's authorities who are not telling you to sin. So, number of cases across America, another way of looking at this point of the exception. Businesses and churches uh, went to court, current issues and other issues. And our law system, unlike the Roman law system... They have a way of doing that. So there's a way of resisting the local law or even the federal law. We, we call that going through the court system, right? There's a way of doing that. So we're still following the law when we're not following the law. Does that make sense? We're disobeying with this part of the law and we're following another part of the law because our system is relatively complicated, isn't it? All these different counter checks and balances, it's called when you take your class in high school, right? And that's the system we fall under. They didn't. They didn't have that. He had the magistrate, he had the big stick, and that's about all you had. Now, they had some of that, of course, because Paul did what? Appeal to Caesar. If you're a Roman citizen, what, 10%, maybe 20% of the empire at the time, you could appeal to Caesar. And he did that. Paul didn't say, well, you know, Peter reminds us we're supposed to submit, and that means in any and all cases, and therefore I should never, ever uh, ask questions, uh, go around the boss, uh, appeal my decisions, ever, ever, ever. I don't think Peter and Paul are contradicting each other brothers. this. Is, not at all. So even in this context, it's given the circumstances which you find yourself in and weighing your options. Again, I went over that Sunday school class uh, and counted the cost, frankly, because if you disobey in a strong enough disobedience, if you even ignore the courts, you're losing the courts, you ignore them, you ignore the police, you got to take punishment. And then the next section, in fact, is that the servants are told you're taking the punishment even though you did good. You did the right thing and you're punished for it. Praise God. You just leave it in his hand. So <clears throat> disobedience then Although the exception has to be for serious matters. The default, when in doubt, is to obey. Even things that are annoying, that you don't like, that seem inefficient, that seem even stupid at times. All I can think of is working for somebody. You've all worked for somebody, haven't you? And you're like, what is this boss thinking? I don't understand this. You can argue with the boss and get fired. It's your prerogative. And I would argue that it's probably better to submit, and if it's good, it's bad enough, you can eventually look for work. But meanwhile, obey while you're looking for work. Don't lose your job <laughs> before you get another one. Submit. Honor. Honor and action is through submitting. Now, honor and action, as I go through these three points, I want to unpack thought, word, and deed, right? We're supposed to obey God's law in thought, word, and deed. And that means when we're called to honor, when we're called to love, when we're called to fear, we're supposed to do that in thought, word, and deed. So Those are the 3 subpoints I have that is, ways of looking at each of these. And so this first one, honor the king, you got to do that with your thoughts. Not just avoiding sinful thoughts ranging from unjust anger to coveting the magistrate's money and power, to positively maintaining proper thoughts, uh, helpful thoughts, avoiding malcontent, speaking of the truth. And when the magistrate does something well, say he did something well. Don't fall for the politics of the case, right? We're if my guy did it, I would say yay. But his guy did it, so I say nay. Well, was it a righteous act or wasn't it? Question. We should uh, praise them accordingly. Uh, avoid malcontents—that is, people never satisfied with the civil magistrate. They exist in America. We we have a nice little niche of them. It's, uh, it's the American way, apparently. And avoid uh, this. I was reminded of this uh, for other reasons. Avoid continual bad news. Turn off the TV if it's not helping your mindset in terms of submission. The news makes money and makes. Money off of bad news and making you feel bad and perhaps angry. So that's in thought and things that influence your thinking. In word, of course, don't be quick to bad mouth situations we are uncertain of. And that's hard to do. I, I, I like, I, I tell myself to do that. And at the same time, I, I am what's the word for, lenient towards each of us because we are called in a democracy, a republic, maybe, <laughs> to be informed citizens. So we all have our opinion. But I want to cautious us to be careful about badmouthing real quick before you know a lot of the facts. And it's even harder again because we know how the media is. They hide a lot of relevant facts. And so, um, on both ends, don't be quick to tell someone you're too quick. So take that what you will. <laughs> uh, it's hard, brothers and sisters. It is hard. Uh, but as a general admonition, don't be quick to badmouth. Or as the Bible tells us, right, be quick to listen and slow to speak. With respect to the magistrate, with respect to the police officer, with respect to the judges. Whatever powers that are over you, locally and nationally, it's better to slow down, investigate the matter, or simply say, I don't know. I need to know more information. And I've I've learned to do that more and more as time has gone by. But sometimes you can't because the matter may be serious enough. You've got to vote on it. You have to make a decision. Then you just leave it in God's hand. right? You make a decision. You do your vote. You leave it in God's hand. Obviously, flagrant violations of God's law, like abortion. It is not dishonoring the king to call him out for that. It may be foolish in the case of literally having a king who has a sword and kill you. Uh, In the case of John the Baptizer, he did it. Herod, didn't he? What are you doing marrying that woman? For that, he lost his head over it. The rest of the Jews, I don't fault them for being quiet. They have to take care of the family. It doesn't help to take care of your family if your husband's dead. (laughs) So part of that's your duty before the world, and that was his duty as a public prophet, to say those things publicly. And pastors as well, to... Not the same extent, but in a relative fashion. We talked a little bit about that again with Luther in the school class and the harsh language he used about wicked people. He said hard things about hard people or wicked people. Time for that. <clears throat> and, of course, deed. Not just thoughts and words, which the thoughts, of course, uh, influence our deeds at times. We keep thinking bad thoughts and always malcontent and discontent about the powers that be. One is not deserved. There is a time to deserve it, of course. If they were persecuting us, you should not be satisfied with the powers that be, obviously. You should pray that they would be removed, that they would stop persecuting you. So uh, discontent is specifically uh, a, a sin matter with respect to the circumstances. But the deeds, of course, we talked about, which is submitting to the laws. They tell you to drive so fast, drive so fast. Put the seatbelt on, put the seatbelt on. Partly, again, what does he say here in the prior verses? The world is watching you and looking for something to trip you up, to make you look bad. Don't give it to them. Even when you, even when we push back collectively in our votes, or, or I mentioned businesses, Christian businesses, you should do it respectfully. Paul was respectful, even to the Zed Heater. He said, if I'd known you were the priest, I wouldn't have said that. Remember that? He got smacked in the face for it. You push back, push back, as it were, in an honorable fashion, best you can. Love the brotherhood. So the first point was, honor the king or honor the magistrate, honor the powers that be, the police officers or everyone else. Love the brotherhood. This is a special honor, spiritual brotherhood. Of the church, obviously, he's talking about church. We are the brotherhood of God. It's a unique word used in Peter. It's interesting that way. Uh, refers to fellow believers. Some thirty times in Acts, and one hundred thirty times uh, in Paul. The variation of this word. This particular word shows up uh, to denote brotherhood, not just brothers, fellow believers, but brotherhood. We have that old English word "hood." Interesting. We talk about manhood, womanhood, brotherhood. It means a brotherly disposition here towards them. A new family on the earth. We are adopted into a new family, the spiritual family of God, brothers and sisters. And so he's highlighting here to his audience, to all the Christians uh, in the diaspora spread across the Mediterranean, love the brotherhood. You've not met them, but you should love the brotherhood. You've not seen them. They didn't have internet back then. Love the brotherhood. And that's the emphasis there upon loving the stranger. That word actually uh, means guests. We went over that on Wednesday night. You're calling Hebrews. Quite fascinating. And so that is, when the brothers and the sisters come in traveling, they are strangers to you in the sense they've never met them before, but they are fellow brothers and sisters. And so you are supposed to love the stranger in that context, is what I'm convinced what's talking about, not random people off the street. The brotherhood. Romans 12.10 highlights this unique love that we are called to one another. Here in Denver, to other fellow Sister churches, I pray for them sometimes, as you know. I don't know them by name. I don't know all the churches in Denver, but I pray for them. I pray for their maturity. I pray for their obedience. I pray for their protection. Because I love them, even though I've never met them. That's the kind of love we speak of in Romans 12.10. And here, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Paul made up a word. Paul made up a word there Romans 12.10. Be kindly affectionate. That's where we got the word storge. Remember, I mentioned this a few times in some sermons there, which is your natural affection towards those in your family and those close to you. That's the word he uses there, and he makes a compound with the word philo, phileo, where we get Philadelphia, brotherly love. So, it's a unique word to emphasize the unique relationship we have with one another. Therefore, Galatians six ten, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith, the brotherhood. Honoring all, in other words, is not the same as loving the brotherhood. You honor the king, but you don't treat the king, the magistrate, or the police the same way you treat church members, and you shouldn't. Give the church members special preference, and you should. They are more in your thoughts than they are than the other people are, and that's the way it should be. Love is preferential. America hates that. That's the root of egalitarianism, isn't it? We're all the same, or we should be, or have all the same access, or however egalitarianism is expressed in politics or social life. It often comes down to how dare you have a preference over a person and or way of living, the Christian way of living, as opposed to a, a pagan way of living, a sinful way of living. You're making a differentiation. That's not fair. That's not equal. Of course it's not equal. It's called you're wrong and I'm right. Is where we are, isn't it? And so this text actually highlights that fact. You're supposed to love the brotherhood, not love random people down the street the same way. They're in trouble. Sure, you take care of them. You can call that love. That's fine. This is a special love you have for the saints. Visitors know that because they come to the church they're like, oh, yeah, you go to a church, you've been a visitor and they love you. That's great. They, like we're Christians. This is good. I love the brotherhood. It's a special honor. We don't give to just anybody. So with this special honor, we are called to show love and thought, word and deed, of course, and thought, word and deed to love Christians and thought, word and deed to love them as particular people, not as the old liberals loved people. This is the old saying they had, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, a hundred years ago. The sentiment is still here with us today, if you think about it. But the old joke was, they loved humanity but hated people. Right? The abstractions seemed wonderful. And of course, if you become more cynical like I am in politics, you realize a lot of the politicians played that as a game. They didn't really believe it. It was just a way to get power and to club you over the head their way. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't have that approach to Christianity. I Menel people... In the same church, you're going to know the warts and all, more and more. More, Some people more than others. And you love them anyways. It's like in a family. You know all the things going on in the family that other people don't know. All the idiosyncrasies, some of the sins, some of the excuses people make. But you put up with it anyways because that's your father. That's your mother. That's your brother. That's your sister. That's Storgay. That's the affection you have in spite of the sins. And we're called to have that kind of affection in the church, relatively speaking, to be sure. So how do we do that with thoughts, right? Don't forget about the brothers and sisters throughout the week as again you are able we certainly can be very busy sometimes you work very long hours I remember as an engineer we had a broken uh, test bed for the circuitry cards and I spent 12 hour days trying to find that problem because when it comes to electromagnetic waves and waveguides they're called it's a pain to troubleshoot because you can just breathe funny and it would send the the signal off A month doing that remember that honey It's like I'm never going to come home. So I wasn't thinking a lot about you guys, sorry. (laughs) I was trying to get work done. So it's as you are able, obviously, as it is with all these commands. Prayer time is a good time to do it. uh, On Sundays, to come, and, or at least if you get the email, to go over that throughout the week. Uh, Local church, especially by name and family members, weep when they weep, rejoice when they rejoice. Standing what's going on at as you are able, the General Assembly uh, and uh, the like. And so another way of describing some of this, and thoughts to be quick to hear so to speak. Again, more with your brothers and sisters than with the magistrate. You should have more patience with each other than with the magistrate. In general, it would seem to me, because you love them more. Part of love is you extend more sympathy and more mercy. And word. Praise the church. Praise members of the church for good deeds and the like. Uh, yeah, it's really awkward when the pastor goes over these points sometimes, right? I'm not talking about me, obviously. Everyone needs encouragement. We need encouragement sometimes. I know that. Uh, and it's it's... It can be hard sometimes with uh, men, as women find out. Men react to stress and differences differently than women in general. We don't think the way they do that way, and sometimes we forget that they need encouragement, or perhaps another guy needs encouragement. At least that's my experience uh, in these matters. Both individuals need praise, and institutions need praise, to the extent that they deserve it, of course. Recall the good things, recall the teaching, recall the love and the like, to reinforce uh, good thoughts instead of malcontents in your heart. Pray out loud. You prays with your mouth. You can pray out loud as well to reinforce thoughts, the proper thoughts, to pray for the troubles of fellow Christians in our church. Uh, again, to get a list and go through it to teach your children to pray. Have them pray out loud. Baptize members of the church. They should learn how to pray when they're very young. Defend the good name of fellow Christians. Not passing on gossip, uh, verifying claims, covering sin for love, covers a multitude of sins, brothers and sisters. And We can do that with our mouth as well. And, of course, not just thoughts, words, and deeds with respect to the love of the brotherhood. Uh, thoughts and words, but also deeds. Submit to the leaders of the church. Again, the default position. There are exceptions. The pastor can't tell you to sin. That's an abuse of authority. Uh, this is an interesting matter that has come up uh, recently, and I've done some investigation in this matter. And there's some confusion about what does abuse look like. It's very simple. You have the law of God. And there are things the pastors could tell you to do and the things the pastors cannot tell you to do. Learn the law of God. And then you'll understand what abuse is. But unfortunately, many, many American, Christian Americans don't understand the law of God. So they have a hard time observing what abuse is. That is abuse of power, misusing power by violating God's law. Objective standard as opposed to a subjective analysis of what abuse is. Help one another. Monetarily, materially, spiritually, that's another way to love the brotherhood. Obviously, Peter's not saying have good flutter of the heart towards the brotherhood. But he means love in action in thought, word, and in deed. And then thirdly, fear God. That's why I leave on this last point here, obviously. This is the highest honor. To honor all, you honor God above all. And if your family tells you to sin, if your boss tells you to sin, if your neighbor tells you to sin, say, I must honor God, not you, when it comes to this matter. It's as simple as that. That's honoring God. That's why he comes. His honor is more important than all the other honors together. But that's not an excuse. As Peter is saying here, and a roundabout way, to not submit otherwise, right, to the magistrate. Well, I honor God, so I don't have to submit to anybody. Sorry. Sorry, Mom and Dad. You're on your own. Obviously, he's not saying that. To the extent that your parents and the authorities over your life are doing things not contrary to the Word of God and going towards uh, good ends and good goals, we should submit to them and even help them and make things even better as we are able. So this last point of fearing God is the highest honor to give, to give God. Willing to stand up for Jesus, even if people tell us to shut up. Fear, I need to hash this out in our church, does not exclude love any more than it does with children who fear their parents and love their parents at the same time, as well they should. I don't mean a servile fear, fear, of course, I mean the fear of love, fear of a child, a fear of disappointing parents, a fear of them disciplining. Those are good, those are good fears, and that we ought to have towards God, greatest father of all. And thoughts, God should not be taken lightly in our thoughts. God should be praise and fear beginning in our hearts, Sound a prayer for help and praise throughout the day to go to him when we sin, to go to him when we are blessed. In word, we should not use his name in vain. That should be obvious. But to go beyond that, to discourage other people from using his name in vain. Say, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Now, sometimes you can't, again. You can ask nicely. You know, you ask your boss. and wish you wouldn't curse. But you may not have much of a choice. And when I was in the military, I had really no choice, right? At least I wasn't in the Navy. You've heard the old saying right swear like a sailor that's why i mentioned the navy you don't hear swear like an air airman they did I swore and it grated on my nerves keep grating on our nerves don't get used to it we should uh, call out to god in praise and prayer not just on the lord's day but pray throughout the week there's some songs you can sing i have uh, christian music and the like and christian psalms i don't there is uh, one group that i know of sons of Korah, that sing the psalms of course they have their own rendition so it's not going to sound the same, but it would be the same similar words. And indeed, whatever you're calling in life, we're not called to have special deeds like the Roman Catholic Church. Which again, you saw in Sunday school class where you're a monk and you're a nun. And you go off and leave the rest of the world because you're, you're just too holy for the rest of us. Whatever you're doing in life right now is holy before God as long as it's not sin. Whatever job you have, a baker, a candlestick maker, something Luther would say. Is all to the glory of God if that's what your heart is towards. And if your heart loves God, it is for the glory of God. And whatever you're doing is indeed what you are doing to God. You're offering your life by being obedient, by being subject to the powers that are over you, and that is showing fear to the Lord. As a mother, as a father, as a son, as a worker, as a citizen, it does not matter. Let us, brothers and sisters, do in obedience to God all that we are called. To honor all, to love the brotherhood, to fear God, to honor the King, and always put God first in our lives, and to know that all these other ways of expressing honor and fear to one another is always done and an eye towards the Lord and his glory. Let us pray. We thank you, God above, that you have given us your spirits, that we desire to do the right thing, to submit, Lord, even to difficult uh, leaders, as we'll read in the next few verses, God, servants submitting to their masters. Lord, God, so that we can be a witness to them, Lord, that we are doing the right thing. If we are disciplined for doing the right thing, God, May we take it patiently, Lord, even in the case of honoring all people and loving the brotherhood sometimes uh, and honoring the king. And in all things, Lord, may we always fear you. In your name alone we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.